This is Pastor Mike from Jordan Lutheran Church, and you're about to hear one of our Sunday morning messages. At Jordan, we're passionate about learning from the Bible and pray that this message makes an impact in your life. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father and Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So over the last two weeks, uh, we have found ourselves with Peter. Uh, in Acts. We found him on Pentecost last week speaking to the crowds, and so it is this morning that we find Peter again speaking. And I think it's right for us to begin there with Peter as we're going to look to the Athanasian Creed uh, to see what is happening as he says these words. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. See, Peter starts out and says, you have to understand Jesus. You can't just say Jesus existed. You can't just say Jesus is a person. You can't just say, I knew Jesus when I grew up. He lived next door to me. I knew where he went to see. No, you have to know more of who he is. To understand him, you need to understand the promise of Messiah. You have to understand that God said one would be sent into the midst of life to give you an offering. And Peter confesses to the crowds and gives to them a confession that closed with Acts 2, verse 36. 2, verse 36 records in this way, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain. All of them. So no one's left out. Let the entire house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. See, we're already getting confession here. We've made him both Lord and Christ, whom you crucified. And again, that's kind of the, that's the, the stick that kind of hurts a little bit there. As he's speaking to the crowds to say, this is the one you just had put to death. You, you did this, and he was Lord and Christ. But putting Jesus to death doesn't matter if you don't understand who Jesus is. If you don't understand him as Lord and Christ, then his death is really just a tragic moment of history, uh, but it would be nothing more than a great tragedy. And there are many tragedies of human life. Many of you have lost loved ones and others to crises, things where they left you too soon or other challenges, uh, which, please, I'm not trying to make them less. Just to share, Jesus would just have added to that list of names. But to confess him as Lord and Christ is something completely different. So Peter on Pentecost says it matters. So here we are. We are gathered on a day where, as a congregation, we have ourselves with a creed uh, that you have in your hand. And you have to ask yourself, why? (laughs) What's it up to? What's happening here in the Athanasian Creed to be said? If you look at the front, kind of a little background on others, the first creed that we speak most often, the Apostles' Creed, written probably in about 125, uh, compiled about that time. Uh, And it's a creed that talks about things that are problematic. Anyone remember the first part of the uh, Apostles' Creed? I believe in God, the Father, maker of heaven and earth. Guess what? That's all they write about creation. Do you know why? It wasn't a challenge. It just wasn't a question. No one was questioning whether or not God made the world. So the creed was pretty simple to write that first article. The largest portion of the Apostles' Creed is what? All about Jesus, understanding what he did. This was a question the church had. How do we view Jesus? When Nicaea comes along in 325, from 325 to 381, as they're revising the church gets together, the questions now are starting to come a little bit more. Uh, how is it that Jesus relates to God the Father? Uh, begotten of the Father, of one substance. We, get these, we start to wonder, well, is Jesus a little bit 
less. Maybe he's just, you know, he's a God, but he's not really God the Father God. He's a demigod. Now, to some of you, this seems odd. Guess what? Have you heard the phrase, if you do not remember history, you are doomed to? Now, if you have for a moment thought, I don't want to read the Athanasian Creed, I'm just warning you, learn your history. Because if we as a church give up on the Apostles' Nicene and Athanasian Creed, we will be doomed to repeat the same challenge the church has fought over the centuries to push back. I mean, sometimes we, we aren't this bold to share it, but I, I, I will. The Council of Nicaea pushes back Jehovah's Witnesses like that. Ask a Jehovah's Witness to confess the Nicene Creed. They cannot. They cannot. Because they do not view Jesus as equal to God the Father. You wonder why we actually speak in the Athanasian Creed so clearly that Jesus and God and the Father are co-equal and co-eternal? Because it pushes back and rebukes so much false teaching. It's amazing and it's articulate and it matters. It's not that pastors are bored and are like, sweet, here's five minutes of the service I can fill. I know, see, some of you are like, that's what we thought. No, it actually equips you and prepares you for the challenges that will come your way. So that you, as Peter says, it matters you know he's Lord and Christ, that you'd recognize he's actually over you and he's Christ. He is Messiah. And it sets there and unpacks for us and knows what's happening. Now, some people wonder, well, you know, do we really have to remember all that? It's the person in school who says, now, will dates really matter on this test? Yes, it's history class. Yes, this will matter. Because if you get your dates out of line, you do weird things. I mean, you do really weird things. Do you think it's important to realize that the Wright brothers came before we touched down on the moon? I mean, it would seem an appropriate thing to remember. Do you think it would be important to understand when NATO was formed in comparison to when or not uh, we had the Declaration of Independence? Because it might be weird to you that we are actually now in treaties with countries that we actually uh, departed from. Like, dates actually do matter. And then there's the other group. Now, will there be partial credit on this math test? How many of you ever asked for that? I didn't trust my hands up because I did. Will there be partial credit for your work? You know, can, can we have it? Then there was my calculus professor. Now, you might think this is a good idea. Calculus 1 and 2 for me, multiple choice. 20 questions. Those were all my exams. Anyone want to guess what he did for the multiple choice? Some of you who are math people know exactly what he did. Yeah, every step along the way that you didn't quite get it, boom, that's B. The one that's kind of right near the end, that would be C. So all the other answers are the ones that could be the one, and it seemed like you got it. I did not like that. There was no partial credit. But you know what? He had something to tell me. Anyone that took his class can build my bridges. Because it's funny, when we talk about do dates matter and does partial credit matter? Some of you drove over a bridge. Do you want the person who took partial credit to have built your bridge? Or do you want the person who understood bridge tolerances and just knew them? Most of you are like, you know, partial credit is not necessary anymore. Um, we'd prefer just that the civil engineer who does that, we'd, we'd like them just to know, just know it and, and know it cold. But in church at times, we relax ourselves because this is just church and we're all kind of friendly. So, you know, we want to be lax. So kind of what you think is okay. <laughs> Enter the church saying, no, you, you need to understand what is said in the Apostles Nicene and Athanasian Creed because it actually matters. And it matters because there are challenging phrases. Uh, 
flip to the front and just want to share this with you. We'll, we'll look to a couple places. Uh, we start right at the beginning. Whoever desires to be saved must above all hold the Catholic faith. Whoever does not keep it whole and undefiled will without doubt perish eternally. Now, you all said that because it's written there. I get it. I, I get the reader response portion uh, of, of how the rhythm of Lutheran worship is. But the creed begins saying, you need to know this because if you don't, you will be damned. Uh, the creed opens and ends with what are called damnatory clauses. They're actually open to say, if you don't get this, you will burn in hell. I'm just calling a spade a spade because we need to understand why this matters. Because the Christian faith actually tells you Christ came for you, but if you don't understand what he came to get you from, then you're, you don't understand why he's there. You ever have a neighbor come over? Hey, man, hi. And you're like, why are you here? Like, it's weird when you don't know why a neighbor's there. So why the Athanasian Creed? You need to know why the Athanasian Creed's written. It's written because people are trying to pull us away from Christ. They're trying to change him and tweak him to make him a little bit different so he'll fit their thinking. This is why John so often, the Gospel of John, writes about light and dark. Uh, of the challenge of a, of a world that's spiritual and flesh. Why? Because Gnosticism in the first century said that it's just light and dark and kind of these pools. John's writing that way to say, hey, Christ is different. The Athanasian Creed is writing to say that there are three persons but one God. Why? Because people heard Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and said, oh, great, three gods. You know what? We have three gods. And let me tell you about how your God fits into our God. And it's okay because you can blend with us and we'll all be just fine. Oh, it's okay, you can worship Christmas the way you want, and we'll worship Easter the way I want, and our marriage is going to be just fine, even though we're unevenly yoked, this is going to be just great. It's not. See, these, these things matter because I actually worry. I get that you love your spouse, you love your brother, you love your cousin, but one of the reasons we come together in worship and praying to God is that those who are outside of the faith that the Holy Spirit may actually do what He promises. Come to them that they would understand what God's offering. Because church isn't just about pictures. It's not just about hugs. It's not just about smiling and giving a few things away and pulling some weeds and encouraging people and just saying that we're all happy. It's about realizing this world is not happy. This world is angry. This world is upset. This world hates the church. This world hates God. This world loves everything that the church isn't. And you wonder at times why people don't attend church. Because the world doesn't like us. Because the world is held by Satan and he's trying to pull us away. And sometimes you're like, oh, no, no, the world's not that bad. It's real nice. Good, the world's doing its job. Because it's convinced you it doesn't dislike Christ. Uh, and if you are convinced that the world isn't opposed to the church, then I don't know if you really understand how forceful Satan is at work in the world uh, to sit there and to know and to see. So why does it matter? Why does any of this matter? Well, we confess because this tells us where the church was and it tells us where we're going. Now look to the first page and we're just going to kind of look in big settings, but you see almost the entire bottom portion takes you and just goes through that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one. They are equal. Their majesty is equal. They are all there. Jesus doesn't come later. Jesus doesn't arrive on the scene in Matthew chapter 1 or two, because genealogy is chapter one. He doesn't just show up in the New Testament. He actually was there from the beginning, and you can't have him any other way. If you do, you've, you've what? What's the creed telling you? It's warning you and telling you, you just made something up. 
Now, for some people, they're concerned by creeds. They say, you know what, I don't like the Lutheran church and others that do these creeds because, you know what, I don't want someone else to tell me what I'm supposed to think. I don't like that. This is why many churches today uh, don't actually recite the creeds because they say, we don't want that because it seems like it's pushed on me. Well, let me just define for you why the Lutheran church still holds to creeds. The creeds are only meant so that when you try to understand these 66 books and you go, man, that's a lot of books. I don't quite know what to do with it. You can do what? Look to the creed and then go, huh. They just said that Jesus isn't equal to the Father. Creed says that's not right. Now I'm going to go to the scriptures and find out where that is. The creed is meant to be your, you're going to get ready to overlooking for this in high school, cliff notes. It's your cliff notes. That's what creeds are. Creeds are cliff notes to help you understand when something's wrong, when something's out of line. Now, if you have ever seen anyone that works in a trade, most people have some type of cliff note in their trade. Uh, if you think of someone who's actually like a carpenter, they have little squares and other things that help them do things, or they'll pull out and they'll have a little math to help them kind of do sixteenths and how do we divide all that, and they have just little pocket things to sit there. Some just have it in their head. Uh, others have little crib sheets on the side of their computer to remind them little codes that they set and what they do in different offices. Uh, now, does that mean they shouldn't know all the rules? No. This just helps them understand where do they drive back to? Well, for us in the Christian faith, drive to the Scriptures. If you've ever heard someone say the creed is the answer, please know it is not. The creed is just a cliff note to get you driven back into the Scripture so that you can tell when someone's about to run you over with a bus. And the weird part is people are doing stuff to Christ all the time that is like driving over Him and removing His work because they've made Him to be something less than He is. He is equal to the Father. He is equal to the Spirit. He is not Buddy Jesus. He is a king. He is sovereign. He reigns at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Hebrews records this in the opening verses that Jesus was actually where at creation? There. (laughs) Well, that changes things a bit because that means that he actually has rights over me. He always did. (laughs) It just took me to understand the scriptures and to see that maybe the creed drove me back to realize that. Yeah, I know, Pastor, but it says there, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of earth. So the Apostles' Creed says that it was just Jesus. I know because that question wasn't happening in 125. So don't say the church changed it. They just assumed it. Now, I want to get through the rest of the Athanasian Creed in in highlighting, but here's one to share with you. Neither of those three creeds actually gets to the big challenge that we're facing today. Do you know what today's big challenge is? Who says this book matters? This was never a question in the first centuries of the church because everyone felt the scriptures actually were a place you could ground yourself. Now, I don't know if the Christian church could pull off another creed, Uh, if they could, there's there's no reason we couldn't have a fourth ecumenical creed, but my assumption is it would probably help us understand that this book matters, and it's authoritative, and it's actually set there, and it has a chance to tell me how I live my life, because Christ delivered his life for me. But you'll realize in Apostles Nicene and Athanasian Creed, what is not referenced as unauthoritative? Scriptures. I mean, in the Nicene, it just says according to the Scriptures, which means it assumes that the Scriptures are what? Right and valid. It's just assumed. Now, why does this matter? Because it tells you where your church came from, and it also tells you where you're going. The creeds help us see where we are. See, many people come to Trinity Sunday, and they wonder, is that the Nation Creed Day? Yeah, I know. Get jazzed for it. I'm serious. Get excited because your church has something it stands on. I love that we have a church that stands on something. And people say, well, what do you Lutherans believe? 
I mean, they may not like the fact that we've got large confessions than others, but I'll tell you what, we don't hide from who we are. You want to find out what we believe, it's all out there. It's not, well, you have to talk to pastor and see what we really think about it, and it's kind of, you know, just sit there and all. It's all out there because we want people to know who we are because we want them to know who Christ is. That hopefully in knowing us, they would know Christ and know who he is and what he has done for us. Now, we move a little bit further down in the creed, and it shares this. Just as we are compelled by the Christian faith to acknowledge each distinct person as God and Lord, so we are prohibited by the Catholic religion to say that there are three gods or three lords, which now brings us uh, to this important distinction. What in the world is the Catholic word doing in that creed? Man, it should be there. Because Catholic just means universal. And I realize from typing, if you were looking at the little asterisk, you wonder where the just flip to the back. It ended up on the top of the other page. Sorry about that. Uh, but to share it with you, Catholic means universal. And we actually hold in this church that how many Christian churches are there? One. I love it. We do. The sadness is this side of glory, this side of Christ's return, there's a lot of dissension and challenge and concern. But we have to make sure that we're confessing we believe there is one universal church. Now, what you'll note isn't written in Catholic faith is it doesn't say Roman Catholic faith. Because when you add Rome, which is important, you add that because Rome then says that you take authority from the Pope. One of the Lutheran uh, confessions, documents that Lutheran pastors actually subscribe to, uh, is called the Treatise on the Power and Primacy of the Pope, which if a Lutheran's never heard that, they hear a pastor ordained, and the pastor's like, do you agree with everything in the Treatise on the Power and Primacy of the Pope? And you have like, people who are like, what in the world? Our pastor's like agreeing to this thing. And the pastor smiles and he's like, yes. You're like, what is happening? Uh, the treatise just says the Pope isn't in charge. The Treatise on the Power and Primacy of the Pope is, I believe, in the Catholic religion. I don't believe that the pontiff from Rome actually is the vicar of Christ. I believe Christ was fine as vicar of himself. Uh, and that there are many other things that I would ascribe to uh, and to set there. But it's important we know this. Because when we don't know things, if I were to tell you, hey, I agree with a treatise on the power and primacy of the Pope, many of you would have said, well, I want to know more about that. Because I, I think I'm worried about what you're saying. And then when you find out it's actually just something the Lutheran Church said because we really are separate from Rome, you're like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm okay now. So why does the Athanasian Creed matter? Because it tells you where you were and helps define where you're headed. I know, but it takes too long, Pastor. Does your faith matter? I'm serious. If your faith matters and professing is important to you, then understanding a creed being articulate, why do you think there's so much repetition in the creed? Because as human beings, we're what? Yeah, man, we're just, we are hard-headed. No, it said that they're co-equal, but it didn't say co-eternal. Nope, nope, they added that. Well, it didn't say co... Nope, they added that. But we're not sure... Nope, they added that as well. So if you wonder why, it's because each of those were attack points the church was facing. It's not like they were trying to anticipate. They were actually pushing back against a teaching that was coming up all the time, Arius. Arius is the great problem the early church faced. Arius is the one that certainly, as I mentioned, Jehovah's Witnesses, same thing. It's the fact that Jesus could be just a little bit less. He's a demigod. He's not as important. See, the joy of church history is it equips you to move forward today. Like, your history is your friend. And it helps you to know it. So don't see the creeds as something thrown away and we don't need them, we just need the Bible. The creeds were never trying to throw away the Bible. You don't understand the early church if you think they were trying to throw away the Bible. Uh, they, that's the last thing they would ever do. 
They held on to it with all they had. I had the opportunity just a few weeks ago in teaching a, a religion class in the area uh, to actually see a Torah scroll. So an actual scroll of the first five books of the Bible. It's at the Messianic Synagogue in town off of Old Apex Road. Uh, portions of that Torah scroll were actually people died to get it out of Nazi Germany. Like, it's amazing. You can actually see it. It's there. Like, if you think that we're playing light with the Scriptures, you don't understand Christianity. No one's playing light. This matters. Why? Because just as it began, so it ends. This is the Catholic faith. Whoever does not believe it faithfully and firmly cannot be saved. Isaiah writes this, our Old Testament reading, talking about how it is that God ignites a fire in us. And I said, this is Isaiah the prophet writing, and I said, woe is me, I am lost. You catch this? Isaiah. We kind of hold Isaiah up and he writes, I'm lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Anyone feeling like 2018? Yeah. Turns out maybe Isaiah lived in a world that looked like what? Ours. Most of the prophets did. Yeah, but they didn't have iPhones. They didn't have technology and email. Yeah, you know what? Good for them. I mean, maybe to have some privacy every once in a while would be a nice thing. Have a conversation without a phone beeping in on us. Actually engage with someone in front of you. Woe is me, for I am lost. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. In this account out of Isaiah 6, uh, it's considered that likely he is sitting there in the temple. And one day out of the year, the priest would go in. And as the curtain goes up, it is likely that what Isaiah sees is he actually then sees the edge of the glory of God as that curtain goes back and he sits there and goes, whoa, I just witnessed God's majesty. And he realizes how weak and broken he is. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go forth? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. See, the word of the Lord actually comes to Isaiah, touches him and says, You're ready. You're the guy. A guy who started out in Isaiah 6 verse 1 saying, I'm unclean, I'm not ready, I'm not your guy. Pick somebody else, and the Lord goes, you're the guy. And then touched by the word of the Lord, he says, I'm ready. Not only does he just say, it's not a okay, it says, send me. See, the Athanasian Creed helps you understand where you were so you would drive back to the Scriptures and see what is taking place. See, we get sent forth from this creed to realize the power of John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world, he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world would be saved through him. Amen. Alleluia. And may we now, with all of those on that first Pentecost, recite together what Peter said as he closed. To remember the vital importance of what we confess matters, because we confessed Christ and him crucified. Join with me. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified who is now risen and ascended. Amen. Alleluia. We're glad you've connected with us online and look forward to the opportunity to see you in person. On behalf of everyone at Jordan, we hope you will join us as we gather in worship of our Savior, Jesus Christ, every Sunday morning at 930 at Beaver Creek Cinemas in the peak of good living, Apex, North Carolina.